Behind every amazing flavor is an amazing human who has perfected their craft. Welcome to Flavors Unknown. A behind-the-scenes look at new flavors and the chefs, pastry chefs, and bartenders who create them with your host, Emmanuel. Welcome to episode 64 of the Flavors Unknown podcast. Today, my guest is the executive chef Sylvia Barbon of the restaurant Larina in Brooklyn. She was a season 14 Top Chef contestant and was born and raised in Northern Italy. With her beautiful Italian accent, Chef Barbon shares her passion for fresh pasta, but still keep the secret of making her famous smoked spaghetti to herself. She described the variety of cuisines between the region of Venice and Calabria in Italy. I am your host, Emmanuel LaRoche, and for the people who are new to the podcast, I have been in the food industry for more than 20 years, both in Europe and in the US. And every other week, I have a conversation with original, famous, and emerging chefs, pastry chefs, and mixologists. And you can find all the episodes on the website flavorsunknown.com. I want to thank all the people who already took the survey. Thank you so much for your nice words. And based on everyone's feedback, I will keep the episodes under 45 minutes as most of you are listening to the podcast while driving. I'm excited as well to share that we will bring probably around May a well-known food critic to the show, as several of you were interested. I am extended the survey until the end of the month of February. You could win a $75 gift card. The link to the survey is bit.ly forward slash flavors unknown survey one, or you can access the survey with a link on the Instagram bio or on the episode page on our website. Thank you in advance for your feedback. As a listener, your opinion matters. Hi, Chef. Uh, how are you? Hi, Manuel. Um, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. You're okay. <laughs> You're okay. Okay. Yes. So I'm, I'm really excited to have you um, on the podcast, uh, Flavors Unknown. Thank you very much for spending time with us today. Of course, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be in the podcast. One day you made a decision that you wanted to participate to the Top Chef competition, you know, on, on Bravo. So that was in the season 14. What made you made them decide to, that you wanted to, to do that? Yeah, so when I was in Italy, actually, I was watching Top Chef all the time. I'd be like, uh, one day I want to do that. And so mm -hmm. when I came to the States, then... My friend was like, oh, there is a call for Top Chef. Do you want to do it? And I was like, no, no. So I didn't do it. He did it. And then uh, they called me to ask me about my friend. And then the person was like, you know what? I like you. Why don't you <laughs> apply to? And I was like, all right, I'm going to apply. But then okay. when I apply, I will never, 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 never thought that I would get on the show. It's just like that dream that you're like, yeah, sure, I'm going to do it. And then it's, I, I keep like going on on the next round the next round i'm like uh -huh. it's not possible and then at the end <laughs> i got in <laughs> yeah i was like what did i just do <laughs> <laughs> so how was the experience it was great it was amazing it yeah. changed yeah i feel like i grow a lot okay uh, thanks to the show i i grow my like literally in in life but also like on a artistic way like on my cuisine on my kitchen on my flavor I got inspired so much by the chefs over there. 
and we are still friends and we still hold help in each other and always talk to each other. So what's the biggest lesson that you have learned, you know, participating to, uh, to the show? So many lessons. <laughs> uh, okay. But no, I, I feel like I start to think more about how to speak up for myself and now... More confidence? Yeah, more confidence. Yeah. 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 I feel like that, that, that it gave me that. And just to keep going and never stop. Even if you lose a challenge, doesn't mean you lost the war, you know? Sure. Absolutely. And so was the experience at the level of the expectation when back you were in, back in Italy and you were looking at, um, you know, the show and now that you are, you were part, you were on it and then, you know, it was worse. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> it was worse in what way? <laughs> it was, it was, it was, uh, like very deep situation. You just got uh, in this state of you mind. Have to tell me more. You have to tell me more now. <laughs> you just so. got in this state of mind. And uh, that's why you get so, like, you become so friend. Like, the the friendship they have with these people is just like, so deep because you go through so many things. You basically, 24-7, you are under stress. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, judge is stable. 15 minutes of that show, it's equal two days of shooting. You know? Wow. So okay. It's um it's a long process. It's like my challenge when I got like one of the challenge people think maybe it was just like, you know, just one day. It was like like when you who got eliminated two days after. It's so, it's insane, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. It was great. So you said that I, I mean uh, you were all friends and so on. I cannot believe that. Like everyone is friend in the show because it's a competition. So uh, it's human nature. So I'm sure there is as well some tensions, correct? Well, yeah. I mean, um, there is um, someone that always you don't talk to, but most of the people that we are friends, we have a chat together. Okay. We okay. always talk to each other. Some of the people that are there are like my best friends now. And um, yes, yeah, also like my season was different. As I my season has veterans and rookie. So... You know, I, yeah, it was kind of shocking when I saw because people from the past season that I was watching in Italy, then they were like over there uh, mm -hmm. doing a challenge with me. I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but then I feel like I, I got so, many, so much connection with everyone and I've, I was the little of the group. So I take always uh, suggestion and everything from everybody. Okay. Will you do another one? Like maybe not the Top Chef, but another cooking show? Yeah, for sure. I think. Uh, yeah. Even Top okay. Chef, I will do it again. Oh, you okay? Cool. So that was yeah. uh, that was a great experience then. Okay, very cool. So, can you talk to us a little bit of the concept of uh, Larina in Brooklyn? It's uh, an Italian restaurant. Most of my business partner, we are all Italian, and so it's a pasta restaurant. Actually, when I came here like uh, eight years ago. I came to consulting on a project in the in the city, and uh, it was a pasta restaurant. So I was like, "Let me take the same passion they have for pasta and already like the history they had to the same thing." So that's why it started. It started because I was actually living the same block of the restaurant. I was like, "It's missing a restaurant, and it's missing a place where people can go and buy grocery from Italy." You know, fresh pasta, sauces, uh, but even like Calabrian chilies or like. Little things that usually you have to go all the way to Manhattan to get. Uh, I was like, mm -hmm, well, mm -hmm. why we don't do the same things here? 
that's kind of how I started. And, uh, and my cuisine, it's uh, Italian cuisine, but obviously, uh, you know, Italian cuisine evolved in the years. So it has some traditional menu items, but at the same time, I like to uh, use local stuff and, uh, and give my own twist on uh, dishes. Can you give us an example of, you know, uh, dishes where you use local stuff and you twist like the, the tradition from Italy? Yeah, I mean, the, the dish that I have um, uh, since day one on the menu, actually, it's um, smoked spaghetti with aglio-olio. And I feel like that's what kind of represents me. Sometimes I call it my life in a bowl. It's like aglio-olio is very traditional in Italy. It's garlic and olive oil with pasta, spaghetti. It's a type of pasta that you make when you have uh, like a lot of people over and you don't have nothing in the fridge. And that's, that's what you always have, olive oil and garlic and chili flakes. And so I took that one and um, I'm using garlic and Calabrian chilies because my mother's from Calabria. Uh, I use hazelnut because uh, hazelnut are from the north of Italy. And then uh, we are in America. So what's best representation is smoky flavor. So basically smoke my pasta. How do you do that? How do you smoke the pasta? Well, that's a secret. You need to come to Russia <laughs> now, and, and then I'm going to explain it to you. I cannot reveal all my secrets. It's a good answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, smoke pasta. That's, that's really cool. That's really cool. How do you innovate, you know, and, and bring something new in your cooking while you're maintaining the, the, the traditional aspects of, uh, of the Italian cuisine? that you grew up with? Well, I feel like uh, I approach by, obviously from what, what is local and what is fresh. Sometimes I prefer, like a lot of times I prefer using pr products that are local than like something that will fly from Italy uh, when we have something that is great from here. And so mm, locally is very important. Uh, use things that are in season. So that's a big part too. Uh, you know, a lot of dishes that that we have in Italy is like, we don't eat Brussels sprouts. We don't have, I don't know, cer certain type of pasta. We don't mix it with like banana squash or stuff like that. So I use what what is my surrounding and what I have traditional, like my tradition, what I, what I eat in uh, when I was little and during my life and just uh, mix the two things together. But like, I feel like everything is give you... Even like go to another restaurant can inspire you to do something better and to do something different and unify with what you grew up with. So I, I guess you haven't uh, grew up with uh, spaghetti and meatballs, correct? Uh, yeah, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> that's that drives me crazy because you know, I, uh, you know, obviously coming from France, I, I think it's really interesting for the people listening to the episode today because they are going to have the French accent and the Italian yeah. accent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know but, if they can understand that. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we can talk with our hands because you know. I live I live in the south of France for you know uh, eighteen years more than eighteen years so, but uh, it drives me crazy when people like here you know and they have a you know maybe an Italian background and then they are talking about uh, oh, I got like spaghetti and meatballs and I'm yeah. like no one is, no <laughs> one in Italy like you know like eat eat and the spaghetti and meatballs doesn't no. exist. <laughs> so what uh, do you say like when the, the people there is there is a dish from my family but it's not spaghetti with meatballs but like kind of something similar but it's called pasta pasticciata and it's basically rigatoni with like it's basically the leftover you know when uh, your mother makes uh, 
pasta with ragu and uh, and then it's leftover and I have some eggs and mozzarella and then like have like instead to use the ragu has like some leftover meat and we'll do little little old meatballs just little one and that one is the only thing they can find to be similar but it's not really be the closest. Like, yeah because it's like a baked pasta basically you were talking about like uh in you know anything could be a source of inspiration like uh, going to another restaurants and so on so can you talk to us a little bit like the the different source of inspiration that um you know that's part of your creative process well even like go just to the market i feel like that's a good part of inspiration see like all the beautiful product and uh use the best of things is like there is so many ingredients that in Italy, I've never seen, and so they find here that I'm like, why, why I cannot just use this with my pasta? Why I cannot make it in a different way and just still find a way to be still Italian, but like using a product that is from here. So let's go back in time a little bit because uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, coming from the northern part of Italy, you're talking about your mom from the south part, the southern Calabria area. Uh, you know, your grandma as well. So I'm guessing you have been cooking with them in the kitchen when you were a little girl, correct? So this is something that has been part of your for like education at, at home, correct? Cooking, cooking with your family, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, it's been part of like why did I become a chef? Actually, my grandmother from my father's side, so she was from Venice. She was the one taking care of me, and so when I was little, I was a hyper kid. So she was giving me either water and wine. You know, when you're six, you drink water and wine. Uh, it means <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. In France, we do that too. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, to calm you down. And the other reason why I was calmed down is because uh, she would teach me how to cook. And so that's how I started my journey, making uh, roasted potatoes, making carnival fritters. How old, how old were you? How old were you? I was you six. Said... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was always spending so much time with her. And uh, when I was 10, she... She got sick because of stomach cancer. And oh, so okay. when that happened, I was like, okay, so if grandma is not cooking anymore, who is going to cook now for all the, fa- for all the family? Like who is going to unify the family and, and have, you know, a big feast on every Sunday if she cannot do it. So I was like, I want to do that. I want to make people happy with my food. I want to start to cook and uh, I want to learn as possible, like as many recipes from. You know, from my Venetian uh, heritage and uh, from uh, uh, my mother's side as well, my Calabrian heritage. I will spend so much time in the summer in Calabria and the food will be so good and amazing. That And my aunt also, she's an amazing cook as well. And I will always ask her recipe and everything. So I got a lot of influence. Yeah. Can you give us an example of like the difference of what... Uh... You know, the style of cuisine in like from Venice and the, the, the style of cuisine from uh, Calabria. Yeah, of course. That, uh, uh, you know, people that are listening, you know, obviously maybe do not know the difference. In the north of Italy, obviously it's colder than in the south of Italy. So uh, most of the cuisine is uh, based on butter and, uh, and risotto. Polenta is like heavy and, and warm stuff. Obviously pasta too, but... I feel like most of the time I will eat a lot of polenta in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, but then going to the south of Italy where you're close to the ocean and uh, you just have another breeze and like everything that you have uh, is fish. 
fish and olive oil and uh, just amazing produce as well. Just like, and fry things, obviously, because why not? It will be a big part. Like cuisine in the South is then more light and uh, full of seafood and olive oil and fresh produce compared like, to the north of Italy, where it's going to be a little more heavier and rich in flavor. So I feel like I'm, I'm, my cuisine is kind of the same. I have like some, most of my dishes, most of my pasta, I don't use any uh, butter. I don't use butter. I don't use cream. Cream, I don't have that in my kitchen. When I was in school, my chef will tell me, you know who use cream? And I'm like, no, who is cream? It's like, people that don't know how to cook pasta, they use cream. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So no... So no cream in your in your cuisine then? Absolutely not. Mm. Wow. Okay. But but you said you use butter, correct? So butter well, and, yeah. and, and and olive oil. So obviously. Yeah. I mean, if I make a risotto, we'll make it for sure. We'll put the butter. But in a pasta, um, besides like if it's a ravioli, I don't usually use butter in pasta. I use olive oil because I feel like butter covers kind of the flavor of the pasta. And like when you have a nice pasta, you don't want to cover by the richness from the butter or from the fat. And that's why you want to use olive oil and, uh, and great ingredients as well. What's your favorite uh, brand of olive oil? I mean, my favorite olive oil, it depends. If we're talking about olive oil from here, I really like Corto. It's an olive oil where they study a lot and they're making sure that what the olives, like the olives are perfect. Each olive is perfect. And the olive oil that comes out from there is a super green. And it seems like they just make olive oil yesterday when you're like using it. And obviously, like a lot of Italian olive oil, I just love it. Obviously, like the olive oil they use, the finishing oil, olive oil they use there from Italy. And it all depends from, you know, which, how you want to use those. The best uh, way to find the, the perfect olive oil is when you try it. It tastes like fresh fruit. It tastes like almonds. It tastes like green. If you feel like an olive oil when you try it and it doesn't, it tastes like soft. I don't know how to explain it, but like soft or like, you know, when, when you eat like a grape that is not green anymore, it starts to get a little yellow. That shouldn't be a good olive oil. Okay. So besides your grandmother, who inspired you the most in your career? Yeah, my, my grandmother and my aunt, my, my family in general. But then also I have like two great mentors in Italy. Uh, one of them was uh, Gualtiero Marchesi. He was basically the person that brought the Nouvelle Cuisine in Italy. So like basically before him, they were in Russia. They were just Osteria. They were just Trattoria. So he was like a, a very icon in Italy. Is that like saying, I don't know, Jacques Pepin here or Thomas Keller? And then the other one uh, is uh, Giancarlo Perbellini. The, he has uh, two Michelin star in Verona. And uh, he actually is thanks to him that I'm, I'm in New York. I came here because he was consulting on a project and he brought me over. And I said to him, you know, now I'm not coming back. And he was like, yeah, I mean, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I still like he's my mentor, so I still talk to him, and okay. uh, yeah, he he's always part of my career. So, what did you learn from both of them? What do you think? Well, I feel like with the Gualtiero Marchese, I learned a lot of discipline and base, basic stuff in the kitchen, and with Berbellini, I just uh, start to learn 
how um, take those base they have and just make it bigger and stronger and uh, and still stay simple and truly to your flavor. So, what's your most preferred like ingredients like in each seasons that you, that will inspire you? You know, if we start now with uh, like the end of the fall, for instance, and then. Well, the end of, right now, I I just love radicchio. I like okay. radicchio and every type of radicchio or like squash. It's like there in America, there are so many squash. That's true. Yeah, it's just crazy how many squash is like. Every time I go to the market, it's like, what a second! This one wasn't here last year. <laughs> what is this new squash? <laughs> so you do it. So you do. Uh, you use it like uh, as a like a part of the filling in a filled pasta. Yeah, or? I I have right now like a ravioli di zucca. So basically, ravioli stuffed with with squash and uh, mostarda di cremona and uh, amaretti and granata padano. Very traditional, but like instead to use the squash that we always use in Italy. Honestly, I don't even know the the name anymore. Because here maybe it's calling another name. Uh, like right now, I'm using kabocha squash because I feel like kabocha squash is just great. Has so much deep flavor and is like something very similar to the one that I couldn't find in Italy. But if you look at it, it's not the same one. But like, the flavor profile is just like so so interesting. Okay, and so in uh, what's going to be in the winter? What is going to inspire you in the winter? I love cabbage. I really love cabbage, and uh, there is a dish actually that is called pizzoccheri, and it's like a dish that I always try to make at the restaurant, but not a lot of people can un- understand it. <laughs> and it's just that like, sometimes it's frustrating because it's like I grew up with this dish, and I always love it so much. But like it's like something so different that people don't really sometimes just they want the simple things, you know. Th- this pasta pizzoccheri is made with buckwheat, so the the te- the texture of the pasta. The flavor is like so deep and so earthy that is like some some people just are not in love with it. But then it's like a ton of butter and sage and uh, fontina cheese and just like it's so delicious and and cabbage obviously that's the core of it savoy cabbage and it's just like so good that like it, it was something that my mother will always make me during winter every Sunday because it's just like one of my favorite dish. Okay, you're, you're making me hungry. We are recording here at the end <laughs> of the day, and it's, it's almost dinner time. And I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm getting hungry too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and in the winter, so of course, there's a lot of potatoes. You are not doing so. I have to talk to you about those fabulous gnocchi that I got, potato gnocchi that I had, you know, in Firenze when yeah. I, you know, I, I went several times there, and there was a little tiny restaurant. And it was like the best potato gnocchis that I ever experienced. So well, you should come to the, Lorena. Then you tell me if they were yeah. the best. After. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking like a true Italian. <laughs> so, <Obviously>. uh, <laughs> so you're making potato gnocchis yeah. at uh, Lorena as well? Oh, cool. Yeah, right now I have a potato gnocchi with, it's just very simple. It's like potato gnocchi with um, uh, mushroom ragu and um, castelmagno cheese. That is a cheese from uh, Piemonte. And has like a, a different flavor, very, very deep flavor and, and sharp. So kind of kind of cut it through the, the mushroom and the gnocchi. Okay. So, uh, yeah, when, uh, when uh, let's say the situation will be better, definitely I'll, I'll come over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so now if you go to the spring, so what inspired you in, uh, in the spring? Spring 
everything that is green, honestly. <laughs> so most of the things. Yeah, I mean, fava beans. I love fava beans. Peas, fava, ramps, obviously. But like ramps is such an interesting flavor that at the beginning I couldn't understand here. And then like I, it took me a little bit to understand what was what I can um, think about ramps in Italy. So basically in Italy it's called Agliorsino, but still it's like different. So like in the years, I'm like, in the same time using this product, I'm, I'm kind of learning every, every season I'm learning something new about product that I never used before. So what, do you make, what are you making with the ramps? I pickle them and preserve them. But um, one of my favorite dishes is actually that I made in the past. It was uh, ramps and uh, basil pasto with pistachio. And then I made this pasta called fazzoletti. That is, it means um, handkerchief. So it was like a rye uh, pasta and a beautiful pasta and burrata on top. And that was actually one of my favorite dishes. Okay, so now we are arriving the last uh, season part, like the summer. Tomatoes. Part of my heart. Part of my tomato and basil is what I'm made for. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what kind of tomato? Because they have like fantastic heirloom tomatoes, uh, you know, here in the U.S. And so, but uh, I don't know what kind of tomatoes that you are using. I just of course, love you know, all I'm, of them. <laughs> all of them. I'm based in New Jersey, so whole, everyone here is going to say, oh, the best oh, tomatoes the are Jersey, here in yeah. New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> but heirloom tomatoes, I love tomatoes on the vine. They're just they're so delicious. Heirloom tomatoes, obviously. But like any good ripe tomatoes, even like any type of tomatoes. I just love all of them. Okay. So how have you been uh, navigating through, um, you know, the, the pandemic? I've been very busy, honestly. The restaurant, so my restaurant is in uh, Brooklyn. It's called Larina Pastificevino. And so we are, um, uh, we have a restaurant, it's a restaurant, but also we have a little market on the back. And so when uh, we had the news about everything shutting down, I was actually the first one to be like, why don't we stay open? And uh, we, you know, it's our restaurant. It's um, it's a restaurant for green. It's a, we have a lot of regulars. It's a neighborhood um, restaurant. And so what we did, basically, we put that little market that we always had on the back that people almost never see. They always think maybe it was just um, ornaments. Uh, but actually, it's like a functional market. Uh, so we just put it on the front, actually, of the restaurant. And we start to just... So pasta and flour and all the goodies from Italy that we have in the restaurant do to go. So, you know, everybody were getting boring about COVID and uh, like stay home and making sourdough bread. I was actually the one making sourdough bread for the others <laughs> so, and pasta and, and everything. So I kept myself busy. Okay. So you were selling uh, your, your pasta at the, at the market then? Yeah, we sell all the fresh pasta and sauces and all product from Italy trying to give everybody a way to feel better. I feel like food makes you do that. And so why not give that service? Absolutely. Yeah, people are looking for, you know, comfort. So obviously food is a, is a good way of doing it. So I, I would like to, uh, to pick up your brain. You know, I always like to ask the, the, the guest on the show to share, you know, a recipe of that a home cook, you know, someone like me can do, um, you know, at home. So, of course, we have to talk about pasta, obviously. So obviously. What, what <laughs> can we do? What can we do 
that will be something a little bit uh, creative, like, uh, you know, with uh, a Sylvia Barman like twist, you know, on it. Sure. I mean, we were talking about gnocchi, so why we don't do a gnocchi dish? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to take notes here now. <laughs> okay, go for it. <laughs> but like instead to use regular potatoes, we can use sweet sure. potatoes. Sure. Okay. And uh, a very interesting things about uh, using potato is uh, I suggest to always bake it in the oven instead of boiling in water. So then uh, you don't have potatoes there very wet. And so then you don't have to put as much flour as like normal you would have put because then it gets sticky. So, for example, it could be obviously I'm going to say in kilo and grams and stuff like that, but it could be one kilo of potatoes. And uh, even better if they're a little old, so they're getting starchier. And you bake in the oven until they get, you know, cooked and soft. And then you peel them off and always work on potatoes to make gnocchi when they're warm and not cold. So then also it's easier to handle and to absorb the, the other ingredients. And so then you should have a ricer, you rice the potatoes, and then uh, you add usually around 200, 300 grams of flour, zero, zero flour, regular flour, one egg, and uh, 100 grams of parmigiano, grated parmigiano, mm. but like the yeah. real parmigiano regional, not the fake. Sure, one. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. And then <laughs> salt and black pepper, and then you start to just uh, mix it all together. You don't even need to like knead it so much because you don't want to then to have the problem to add more flour. And then you just like, Cut these uh, long um, snakes and cut in like little square. Put in a pot of water boiling. Always put the salt when the water boiling. Not before. Okay. Otherwise, it takes forever. And then, uh, what should we do for sauce? <laughs> uh, exactly. I was I was on my way to <laughs> ask the question. And then you can even. I think that you know we can make like two different sauces, right? Depending on because I'm sure we can make some variations and have uh, different yeah. dishes. We can do yeah. so many variations. Like, I really like lamb. I like a lamb burger. Like, yeah, lamb burger okay. will be okay. so good because like, the sweet potato are sweet. The lamb is like a little, have like a little strong flavor and the sweet potato, they go so well with it. And like with the lamb burger, what I always suggest is like, just put a lot of flavor on it. Like mint and rosemary and sage and garlic and just olive oil and cover with like wine, red wine. And just okay. uh, let it cook in the oven until it's a tender, basically. Mm-hmm. Celery, carrots, mm-hmm. onion. And then just take it off when it's cooked. Take it off from the liquid. The liquid, you let it reduce and the lamb, you just uh, pull it apart. And then you just add that on the gnocchi and just saute with that. And maybe you finish it with some uh, parmigiano or... Parmigiano is like something that always everybody has. But like, for example, like I will not put butter. You see? Because the lamb has, is already rich that you want to taste the lamb. You don't want to taste another flavor. You don't want to taste cream. You want to taste the lamb. And maybe like you can put, yeah, you can put also maybe some oyster mushroom to, together as well, just to have a little flavor, a different flavor, or you can pickle some oyster mushroom. So just have another uh, deep, like deeper flavor. Okay. So if we want to do like an, another type of sauce, I feel like another sauce that it will be super easy is just like using the cooking water of the where you cook the potatoes, the, the gnocchi, and you add just pecorino and parmigiano and uh, and black pepper. 
and you don't need nothing else. Maybe you want to finish it on top with some nuts, if you like, like hazelnut or, or walnuts or maybe like some, you know, the le- when you make Brussels sprouts, you always have those leftover leaves mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the one on the edges instead of throw yeah. away, just crisp it up on, in the oven and oh, just finish cool. it on top of the gnocchi. Sure, it's like a little crispy in a mouthfeel. So that's cool. Do you put any uh, um, dash of like uh, white wine in uh, in um, then in that sauce or not? Not at all. In like the in which the, one? In the in the the second one, the one that uh, you uh, use the boiling the boiling water. No, because no. there is already the parmigiano and the and the pecorino and the black pepper okay. and like Brussels sprouts. Maybe like you can put some a little vinegar on the Brussels sprouts uh, mm-hmm. just to give a, a little um, sour flavor. So just okay. to cut it through. Very cool. That sounds delicious. Now we have to finish like quick the the, yeah. the discussion because <laughs> I have to go to uh, my kitchen. So let's finish with a series of rapid fire questions, if you if you don't mind. So you and I we are going on a tasting tour. You know, let's say that there's no um, pandemic and we are going to a tasting tour yeah. in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, so uh, what are like the five spots that you will take me to, and uh, not Larry, not Larina, <laughs> outside of Larina. Of course, I will have already have a great feast at Larina the night before. Two good spots to start the day with. It mm-hmm. will be Okonomi to have a Japanese breakfast. Okay. And uh, the other one uh, will be Winsun, Winsun Bakery. Yeah. And then uh, I really love Four Horsemen. Yes. It's one yeah. of the great places. And uh, Sunday in Brooklyn is another one that I really, really love. Yeah. yeah. And then it all depends. Uh, I feel like it's always uh, something different. There is a, this new restaurant and uh, it's so good. Actually, it's always like for the midday, but it could be at night and it's called For All Things Good. And it's a okay. new restaurant in, in, in Bad-Stuy and it's so good. And they do like tortillas every day. Okay. I don't know this scratch. one. Oh, fine. Okay. Cool. They just open. Ah, okay, that's why. Okay, cool. Yeah. Nice. So, what's your favorite guilty pleasure food? My guilty pleasure food. Your guilty it's a pleasure tricky food. one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like French fries. French fries. <laughs> okay. French fries like this with uh, salt and pepper on it, or like you put something on the on the French fries. I feel some... like French fries or pizza. Okay. But no, nothing on on the French fries, correct? You don't put any sauce or, you know, there's some, I mean, some yes. people here. Ketchup yes. And, uh, ketchup and mayo mixed together. Okay. That's the magic sauce. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. What's like, uh, are like three cookbooks that's inspired you the most in your career? There is like so many. <laughs> yes. But, you know, I just want three. <laughs> I just want three. <laughs> Uh, well, one of the book is actually from my chef, Giancarlo Perbellini, and his book. Okay. What's um, the name of it? Do you remember the name of it? Or? It's called Giancarlo Perbellini. Okay. That's an easy one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know? Oh, and the other one, it's, um, it's from uh, this chef uh, from UK, actually. Okay. And um, I forgot all the names now. <laughs> You put me on the, st- on the spot. spot. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's basically um, uh, these chefs in the uh, UK. Um, the book is called Silo because that's the name of his restaurant. And basically, all this menu is uh, with zero waste. 
they use everything from the bottle of wine they they give it to someone and just um, make out of glasses and plates with it and it's just uh, so fascinating all the recipe that he has as well and the third one is um now i don't i don't know why i cannot remember the name but it's like it's a book about vegetable okay I can hear um, you. I can hear uh, you. Yeah, Googling. you can get it because it's Jeremy Fox is the name. It's just I cannot remember. Oh yes, <laughs> yes, I know what you mean. Sure, yeah, yes, I know the the book from Jeremy Fox. Yes, on veggies. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a great one. I'll find it. Don't worry. So very cool. What's your biggest pet peeves in the kitchen? The things that you cannot stand, like people are doing. Yeah, one of the thing is take off the tape from containers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's one of them <laughs> that they are not taking them off or that's yeah, why you're not yeah. taking when, them off when, when, when the container is empty correct that's the idea they leave the, yeah. the tape yeah, on yeah, it yeah, okay. exactly. oh yeah 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 <laughs> or they put it like another one on the on like on top of it oh, okay. oh the book is called on vegetables yes on vegetables yeah so now uh, beside the classics uh, and the condiments spice and sauces and you know like the, the ketchup and the uh, you know the mayo that you mentioned what um, you know, other like condiment spices and sauces do you have on hand at home? I mean, olive oil. <laughs> sure. Olive oil. And then uh, I really love, yeah, I, I really love za'atar. Uh, okay. Even if it's yeah. not part of my background, but I just love za'atar. I really like uh, having salsa matcha actually from For All Things Good. Um, they make an amazing salsa matcha, tahini, any nuts possible. That's something always uh, I like. Uh, nutritional yeast. Mm -hmm. Everything bagel seasoning. <laughs> okay, everything bagel seasoning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very unusual. Yeah. What is it if we're talking about home, you know? Yeah, I cannot sure. have those things at, at work, but at home. Yeah, no. at home so what do you do with the what do you do with the everything bagel seasoning? What do you use for? I use it for in eggs on air, like literally everything. This morning I made myself with my left hand. I made myself stir fry rice and I finished it with everything they could season me. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's cool. Okay. That's definitely they won't have that in uh, in Italy. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Neither. <laughs> Neither the fried rice or the everything bagel seasoning. <laughs> That's and my true. mother always every time I call her and I FaceTime her, she's like, "What are you eating?" I'm like, uh, "What are you eating for breakfast?" I'm like, "Fried rice." And she was like, "What? What, what about cookies and milk?" I'm like, nah. <laughs> so, what do you miss the most from Italy? I mean, food. Oh, my family yes. and food. Sure. Okay, <laughs> but uh, now you have to be specific about the food. What do you miss the most in, in the food? Um, any vegetable, like we were talking about tomatoes, is just a like tomato from Italy tastes better. Sorry, okay. but that's okay. the truth. Okay, or I want fruit I, like peaches. I want anything. I won't say anything to my friends in New Jersey. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> 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 they, I, uh, they will continue to eat, to uh, have that like in, uh, in a sauce with the uh, spaghetti and meatballs. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, Chef, uh, thank you so much uh, for being uh, a guest on uh, on the show. I really appreciate your time and, and thank you for uh, accepting to be on it like the day before your surgery and, you know, on the finger. So thank you. I appreciate it. Of course. That. Thank you for having me. It was a fun conversation. Thank you for listening to the podcast Flavors Unknown. I enjoyed my conversation with Chef Sylvia Barben and I cannot wait 
to get to Larina restaurant in Brooklyn to taste her famous potato gnocchis. If you like this episode, please remember to share it with a friend or a colleague. You can access the show notes of this episode and all the other episodes on the website flavorsunknown.com. Don't forget as well to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Flavors Unknown. Do you know about the Facebook group, The Learning Chef? If you don't, check it out. It is a great educational platform made by chefs for chefs. Next week, my guest will be Chef Chris Spear from Chefs Without Restaurant. He has a great podcast and he will talk about the world of independent chefs and what he is doing to foster a community to bring independent chefs together. I see you in two weeks. And until then, remember that people who love to eat are always the best people. You've just enjoyed another delicious episode of Flavors Unknown. Hungry for more? Hit subscribe. Tell us where you're listening from by leaving a review. And for social media and show notes, head to flavorsunknown.com.